With the United States presidential election having just come and gone, politics have dominated conversations everywhere for months. Everywhere you look or listen, this political cycle has found a place there. It's all over television. It's all over the internet. It's talked about during podcasts. Social media has played a prominent role in the past few election cycles. Politics at the moment are impossible to get away from, and that got me thinking about video games. Because yes, dear listeners, video games and politics have been intertwined for some years as well. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the history of government simulation games with a focus on those that have played a part in the United States Democratic cycle that has just come and gone. We'll discuss this and more as we take today's trip down memory card lane. Good afternoon and good evening. I hope that these words find you well. If you're listening to this, should be a few days after the U.S. election. And hopefully you're not having to listen to this in some reinforced bunker somewhere hiding from civil unrest. We are all humans and grown-ass adults and should be able to resolve our differences. (laughs) (laughs) rob was that convincing enough it sure was dave especially (laughs) with the the maniacal laughter at the end (laughs) it's election week and while we're recording this right before by the time you're listening to this it's over thank god it's over i don't even care anymore i just i just needed to be over by the time you're listening to this you'll know who won we have no idea. It's no, still a mystery. They might not. With oh, the way yeah, you're this, right. Good point. With the way this is going, we 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 might not. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode ten of our video game nostalgia podcast, where we take classic video games and use them to springboard conversation about ever whatever the hell we damn well please. Typically, we take a video game, which came out during the current week in gaming history, and make it into a topic. This week, however, we're going to try something different. In recognition of the democratic process that is occurring, or has just occurred in the United States, I thought that it would be fun to look at the history of political or government simulation games. Ooh. I know. So we're going to have a little bit of a history lesson today, uh, more so than a you know touchy feely. Here's how I feel about video games type episode. I hope y'all ready. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. Shush. I've lived down <laughs> south for like, oh man, how long has it been? Eight years now? Seven years? Eight years? It's been a while. I was still in high school. No way. No. I graduated in 13. Six years. I've been here since 2014, haven't I? Ah, there. That makes more sense. Six years. So, government simulation games. Government simulation games. Rob, well, you know what? I didn't even introduce you yet. Rob, my co-host, my brother, Rob, 
Jeez Louise, I'm off base today. We're not going to do a normal episode. I'm going to be all sorts of weird about it, huh? Do you need to lay off the sauce? My God, are you on some henny right now? Uh, Already slurring your words? It's not henny, good lord. Can you blame me with everything going on in the world today? Just, ugh, hold on. That was unsettling. Gotta get by somehow. Alright, political games. You ever played any political games? You ever been, like, involved in, like, the UN, you know, mock UN or anything, just anything government political game? Yeah, actually, I uh, I remember one game, I was in the Pentagon, and we were fighting Nazi zombies, so, you, you know. You were, you were fighting Nazi zombies in the Pentagon? Yeah, yeah, you know, normal government stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know... It is 2020. It's a distinct possibility that there are Nazis in the government. So I'm actually going to give that one to you. Very distinct possibility. You never know. I'm not hey. saying anything. I'm not blaming anyone. I just, it's a very plausible thing. It may have been based on a true story. Wait, you said zombies, didn't you? Yeah, but you know, no, or I'm a not ta- virus. Yeah, I'm not taking that back in any way, shape or form. Still a possibility. Good, good, good. Glad we can agree. Government simulation games. They're games that attempt to simulate the government and or politics of a nation. They can include setting domestic policy, setting foreign policy, or, you know, why we're on this, uh, simulating political campaigns. Games about government simulation, however, have existed since before video games were a thing. We're going to talk about something other than video games. Wait. What? There was a thing? (laughs) <laughs> don't we kind of sometimes talk about things other than video games you know the whole point we use video games to talk about non-video game stuff i don't we know talked about a time before video games what was the before time like dave you know i'm sitting here trying to think and i i can't remember what it was like before video games i'm sure it was sad i'm sure you Didn't... had to play sticks and stones with your dinosaurs i was gonna say something about playing hopscotch and with what are those things that you thought jacks aren't they like you roll them on the ground with the bouncy ball and you bounce the ball and then you grab all the the jacks off the do you even know what i'm talking about don't pretend like you didn't just hear me say that now what you just is that what you literally just said i actually no i said sticks and stones that's exactly right and i said hopscotch and jacks playing with your jacks okay and what do you do in hopscotch you throw a stick or a stone and you may as well be picking up sticks with jacks, because isn't that what it's called? What what is it? Five six pick up sticks. It's the same are we damn thing. are we literally here arguing about video games? Or video games <laughs> arguing about games that were before our time that we really have no clue about? Isn't that the basis of the internet? That's very true. That and Nazis apparently. So we're right on topic. It's perfect. Woo DARPA. Ooh man, I'm gonna get on so many lists this episode. All right, so 1935, well before video games, there was a political board game called The Game of Politics. It was a simplified version of the presidential election in the United States, and the goal was to win the Electoral College with a majority of votes. How many votes do you need to win the Electoral College, Rob? Man, you're. Oh. I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. Hold I on. I am disappointed right now. It's only like, do you even watch the news? No, God, no. 
Yeah, that's true. The news is so depressing. It's 270. <laughs> Don't even bother looking it up. It's two, 270. Okay, I was going to guess 300. Uh, that would be nice. I mean, whoever gets 300 definitely gets 270. You you wouldn't necessarily been wrong. They they win the Electoral College either way. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, 270 is the number, not 300. If, it was, if things were about being close, then, you know, bridges wouldn't quite line up. So the goal was to win the Electoral College, right? And you would win states by rolling dice. It was a mix of dice and speech cards. So each turn you would roll dice and you can distribute the points to win counties. So, you know, if this state had 20 counties, you could, you know, roll the dice and put five points into into this state. And so you'd put little pins in these five counties. And then when whichever candidate had the most counties would win the electoral votes for that state. In turn, you could also you also had speech cards that you could win. You would win counties through pre-existing traits. So they would say things like, I declare in favor of government ownership in railroads, which would win two counties each in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Louisiana. So you could strategize over those two things to try to win the to try to win the presidential election. So this game the game was over when a candidate was in each state and then someone rolled doubles. And so at that point, you would tally the points and see who was, you know, who who hit 270. And so from 1935, this game was in print until 1960. And that is one of the earliest. I wouldn't say the earliest. I'm sure there's much earlier, but that's an early board game here in the United States that would simulate the presidential election. The point of that conversation is that it just goes to show you that people have had an interest and taking part, at least in a simplified way of, you know, being, you know, taking part in the president election since as early as 1935. You know, it also was booming in the 1930s board game wise while we're on topic. What's that, Dave? Monopoly. Really? I mean, Monopoly came out in Depression time, but, you know, it was booming in the 30s. But wow. Monopoly, Monopoly boards from the 30s are pretty cool. Well... I don't know if they were the wooden ones by that point, because you're just coming out of the Depression. Of course, you'd find a way to talk Monopoly, Dave. It's not like you haven't collected over like a thousand by this point. I only have 30 some boards at this point. I have I have made my collection much smaller. There was another board game came to the United States in 1955, 1959 called Diplomacy. So Diplomacy is a board game that's set in Europe in the years leading up to the Great War, right? And it's play. What's the Great War, Rob? Do you know what the Great War is? Uh, come on. What's the Great War? The Great War? Yes. You mean the War of nineteen twelve? Oh God, that's <laughs> not the Great War. No, the Great War was World War One, Dave. Yes, from nineteen fourteen yes. to nineteen eighteen. Did you have to look that up? Negative. I'd have to look up more information, but I at least <laughs> know that. You know, a little fun fact. You said 1918, which is absolutely true, but it was actually the beginning of November. It might have been mid-November of 1918, but I know it was November of 1918 is when it ended. So we're also date-wise on topic for the Great War. How fun is that? That is very fun. Mm -hmm. That was Mm -hmm. the modernization of modern warfare with trenching and tanks and artillery. And you brought it back to video games. Good job. Sure. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that. We're a video game podcast. Okay. Ah, modern warfare. Gotcha. Uh, There's the. Ah, Rob uh, did a thing without thinking. There you go. There you go. Don't All think, right. Folks. So diplomacy. 
It's played by two to seven players, right? So everyone controls the armed forces of major European power. And so every player moves their starting units to defeat those of others, and they get position of strategic cities that are supply centers. And supply centers allow them to produce more units. And so there's a round of player negotiations where each player can issue attack and support orders, which are then executed. What's unique about diplomacy is that players don't play their turn sequentially like we're used in games. You know what I mean? Like, it's my turn, and then it's your turn, and then it's the next person's turn. That's a sequential game, okay? That's how most games are played, correct? Absolutely. So this board game was all played at once. So all the players would write down their moves after, at, during the negotiation phase, and then after the negotiation phase, all the moves are revealed and made at the same time. So it's a little bit different of a board game. What's special about this and why we're talking about this is because the fact that the game, the turns were played that way, that the, the turns were written down and that they were played at the same time allowed this game to be played through the mail. That's the postal service, you know, that, that thing that's not doing so hot these days. They would allow the game to be played through the mail, which was done starting in the 60s. You know, a bunch of people would write down their move and there'd be one person who would be in charge of the game, and they would all send their moves to, to that guy who'd play all the moves and then send the stuff back to them, and they would go back and forth, which is kind of complicated, right? Yeah, that is... I, wow, okay. This yeah. Is... <laughs> so look, it gets, it gets even better. There were a number of fanzines or magazines in which everyone would mail their moves into the magazine, and the moves would be made and published in the magazine and then sent out to all the people who would then send their next rounds and they would do it that way. So you basically had a magazine that would become like a, I guess a history book, like, you know, of their game and it would publish all their moves and then they would, they would read what was going on and then make their moves and send it in. And they would just do that over and over to play these games. That's different. Is it not? You know, I would love to see one of these publications. Just uh, the thought of this game is so intriguing to me, and I would just love to see it in like in action. At its peak, this type of publication, these fanzines based around diplomacy, its peak came in the late 80s. At one point, there were 72 different publications of this kind. The subscriber base for most of them, if I remember correctly, and I, I didn't write this down, but it was literally like in the 20s, 30s, 40s. It wasn't like a lot of people were subscribed to each of these magazines. It was probably literally just all the people that were playing the game would send it in and then pay for the next issue and then call it a day. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's wow. Here comes the here comes the sequence. Here comes the progression. So naturally. We had all these games diplomacy that was played by play by mail, correct? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it goes without, it goes without saying that when the internet came around in the eighties, that's you know when when the internet was in its infant stages, people would find a way to play this game by email, which became email diplomacy. So on CompuServe, which was the early basically internet, as early as nineteen eighty three. There was a website or a forum or a BBS bulletin board system called the Armchair Diplomat. And from 1986 to 1990, there was one guy that moderated the Armchair Diplomat on CompuServe. And he moderated hundreds, hundreds of online diplomacy games through this online network. 
I mean, can you literally imagine that as a hobby? Like all this guy did was take all these moves and then move it forward and send all everything back to everyone. You know what I mean? You know, that seems like a full-time gig to me. It might've been. I mean, I, I honestly have no clue. It, it very well might've been. I guess I would need to know to what ends he has to go to update these and how the records were kept. And there's a lot of information that could be used into that determination, but I feel like it would definitely be something that would take a lot of time and may not leave time for much else. Well, that time wasn't really necessary come 1990 because in 1990 they developed computer adjudication and there wasn't any need for a human to play the intermediary anymore, which brings us to 1984. 1984, the board game publisher Avalon Hill worked on a computer game version of Diplomacy that had graphics and sound and all that. And so then in 1984, you got an actual video game version of of Diplomacy. In case you were wondering, and I'm sure you were because, you know, I heard I heard all the expectation in your voice. Versions of Diplomacy are still being made to this day. In fact, in March of this year, there was a version of it called Diplicity that was published for Android and web servers earlier this year. So they're still playing Diplomacy online. Interesting. You ever hear of a game called Subterfuge, Rob? You know, it sounds familiar, but I can't put my finger on why. (laughs) So uh, if any of my friends are listening, and I know that plenty of you listen, you'll know Subterfuge. So Subterfuge is actually a variation of diplomacy, just that has, you know, isn't set in World War I and doesn't have military units. So Subterfuge is basically a made-up map, made-up units, and it's the same concept where everyone takes their turns in real time, and you you know you do all this diplomacy stuff, and you send units to counter other units, and you capture cities to build up your production to get more units, and you just you keep doing this, and, and so on and so forth. But it's in real time. So every time my friends and I start a game of subterfuge, our wives hate it because it like eats our lives away because it's all we talk about. But it's ridiculous. Subterfuge is, is it's asinine. It's so much fun. And if it's a modern real modern version of diplomacy, I can only imagine that diplomacy was probably the same thing. I would imagine so. But subterfuge, guys, it's been years since we went down that rabbit hole. So if you're listening. I'm kind of disappointed in this because I'm thinking pandemic 2020 would would have been a perfect time to do that again. Also, it's not over yet, so maybe we should. I don't I don't know. Maybe the, the, the world is a crazy place. We are in 1984. Diplomacy came out, but it was about this time that there were other video games. Now we're on video games, not board games. We are on video games, so we're on topic. There are video games that came out that were pioneers of the genre. For instance, in Europe, uh, Dictator was released in 1983 for the Spectrum ZX computer system. I don't oh, get to talk about the Spectrum very much. The Spectrum. I, never heard of the Spectrum. The only Spectrum I know is the damn internet provider and the new accounting system I'm using. Yeah, no, no. Back in back back then, there was a a computer system called the Spectrum. What did it run on? Like. Linux or Windows or its own proprietary thing? We're in nineteen eighty three. There wasn't a Linux or a oh, Windows. Oh eighty three. 19- Rip. Yep. Pool beans. 
Yeah, Rab pays attention all the time. Do you know about the Atari PC? Uh, no. no. I, I knew the Apple. Okay. You know, we had an Apple too, but I didn't know Atari had a PC. We did have an Apple too, but we had an Atari ST as well. Before I that. don't remember that at all, and I don't think that it was around when I was at least old enough to remember. I used to write basic games in the Atari. That was that was my jam. Hmm. 1985. 1985. A game was released called The Balance of Power. So The Balance of Power, you either play as the President of the United States or the Secretary General of the Soviet Union. So I guess if it was released today, that would be one of the same. Uh, and the goal <laughs> of the game... <laughs> Let's sneak those in there. You know, I said I wasn't going to get political with today's episode, but it's hard not to. You know, you know what I mean? No, I don't. Oh, okay, good. So <laughs> the goal of the game is to improve your country's standing relative to the other superpower. You know, obviously, if you were United States, you want to be better than the Soviet Union. So each turn is played, which is one year, and the player is presented with a number of crises and incidents throughout the world, and they have to decide how to respond to each one. So naturally, as the president of the United States, we're going to send troops everywhere for everything. Yeah, pretty much. Well, what was unique about this game was that a a decision became a negotiation, right? So one decision could lead to a response to the from the other superpower, and you could either escalate a situation or you could back down. In fact, you could escalate situations all the way to a nuclear war, which would effectively end the game. But it was. I mean, this game... Is the game a euphemism for the world? Yeah, well, I mean, this was the Cold War period. You gotta understand. So that literally was the Cold War. That's, I mean, that's essentially what the Cold War was. And if there was any way to distill or describe the Cold War into its most basic thing, that would literally be it. That's a description of the Cold War, which everyone was living in 1985. So it was a a different time. You know, there were a lot of games that were released in the mid 80s and all of them simulated the cold war because that was the reality everyone was living this just happened to be one of the big ones and and one of the ones that was heralded as being one of the best games of i mean at the time it was called one of the best games of all time because it was literally a it's the word i'm looking for it it was so it was so unique in that you could go back and forth you know it wasn't just it, it, it was a negotiation and that was so early on in computers that that was kind of a, a thing that wasn't seen very, there wasn't back and forth of video games like that. Go video games. Yay. Video games. Yay. Are you with me still? We, we in 1985? We were in 1985 and, you know, I'm still finding a lot of parallels to today. I don't know what year it is anymore. Yeah, it's sad but true, honestly. So the truth of the matter is, is that early political simulation games, you know, were designed, you know, if we're going to talk more about politics than diplomacy, early political simulation games were designed more so for education than entertainment, which I think is funny because we talk about the educational value of video games all the time. I think it comes up at least once an episode at this point, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah, I would say so. Probably. Have, have we ever have we ever come to the conclusion that video games are educational? Still up for debate. Nah, I think we did. Maybe Civ? I don't know. Uh, who knows? Definitely. You know, we can always find pros and cons and fours and againsts and I A's and nays or I's yeah. and nays and however you want to call it. 
Nathan I'm X. telling you, definitely Dark Souls. Dark Souls is chock full of educational content. That it is. That's where I learned most of my life lessons. I'm telling you, that's roll. exactly right. We talked about 10 life lessons from from Dark Souls, and, and that's it. That's the way you have to live your life. And somehow if I think have, that we forgot Tuck and Roll. If you, Yeah, probably. But if you haven't listened to our 10 life lessons for Dark Souls, go back to our Dark Souls episode. And that's really all you need to know, man. That's all you need to know. In 1987, back on topic, for example, there was a game called On the Campaign Trail that was developed as a tool at Kent State University's political campaign management program. And it engaged its students in decision-making regarding the campaigns for Senate elections between 1970 and 1986. You know, right there, you, you already have a game that was developed directly as a tool Around this time, there were other games being developed, though, that skirted both this entertainment and education part. In 1981, on Apple II, uh, you asked about Apple II, and then 84 on Commodore, and then 88 in DOS, so this one, this one was all over the spectrum, there was a game release called President-Elect. President-Elect, you could do your own political campaign, or you could elect to reenact a historical campaign with real ed- candidates. And so in president-elect, you would use political action points like campaign dollars to influence states, as well as schedule personal and campaign visits to states to influence the polls and win the vote. President-elect was supposedly a really good simulation, truthfully. In 1988, it actually elected, it simulated the 88 election within 1% of the actual vote. That's pretty good accuracy. I don't I don't know what's doing that nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I um one percent that is I, I don't know if a video game made in nineteen eighty one could really handle the complexity of today's elections. The election process... I don't think our current system is gonna be able to handle <laughs> it. Let's be real here. <laughs> you know it's funny, back in the eighties, the author uh, after that 1988 uh, election simulation, the author of President Elect declared himself the best predictor of presidential elections in the country. So, uh, nice. dude, was, dude, dude was full of himself. That he was. In 92, we got a game called Power Politics. Power Politics, while we're talking about branching education entertainment, found its way into classrooms in over 400 colleges and universities, including George Washington University in D.C., it was used in these classrooms as a tool for teaching the realities and complexities of political campaign management. Power politics was also good at predicting elections. In 1990, no, not 92, maybe 96. I don't really know the date. I didn't write it down. So the Associated Press used it to successfully predict Bill Clinton's victory in one of their articles. So apparently it was halfway decent at, at predicting elections too. Well, damn, that's <laughs> who knew that video games could be so closely tied to life. Oh, please. On the topic of simulations, we use simulations to simulate everything from like the Super Bowl to NASCAR races to I mean, let's look, we, we everything, right? We I didn't mean, have we didn't have sports. True. We didn't have sports in the beginning of the year. And they were like, OK, well, then let's have Madden. Let's use Madden to simulate what real football would be like. But that's most of the time people just playing the game. We're talking a game that was used to predict a very decisive vote. 
Like very true. Something that requires a lot of human input and so many variables to change. A video game just depends on the, the player. Like if you're good at a video game and the person you're playing against isn't, you're gonna win. Nine times I, mean, I shouldn't say nine times out of ten, but more often than not, it would seem. No, 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 no. I'm talking like when we simulate the Super Bowl, they let the PC play or they let the AI play against the AI to simulate it and see how that works out. So it's kind of the same concept. Well, I suppose it is, although I still feel that the computing complexity is not quite the same in Madden as opposed to the political powers. Yes, the political powers. Sorry, power politics. I am going to jump ahead to 2004. I think we briefly talked about this game in uh, another episode because we talked about the publisher of this game, Stardock, when we were talking about Sins of a Solar Empire when I couldn't find the name of the developer that was from Plymouth, Michigan, which is close to where we grew up. But Stardock in 2004 put out a game called The Political Machine. Pretty simple game. The goal is to win the presidency. Player accomplishes this goal by traveling from state to state and engaging in a variety of activities to either raise money, raise poll numbers, and win the state over. Political Machine, since 2004, has been released for every presidential election since then. There's always a new version with the new candidates. So, of course, this year we are on Political Machine 2020. So, you have a Political Machine game at the moment. I uh, did not play it because I don't want to. That's it. That's the end of my story. (laughs) Very compelling story, Dave. Glad we got to share it with you. Well, look, so you can play Political Machine 2020 right now. It's on Steam. It's actually on Steam for the entire week at $7.49. And at the moment of recording, it rates very, let's see, all reviews, mostly positive with 278 278, uh, reviews. One of the most recent ones posted today says, found out who will win tomorrow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> here's one did that they says, share the details, Dave? No, they did not, actually. Here's one. I love making an election about the bees. And then not here's, the bees. I know, not the bees. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch. If you want to go through and look at the Steam reviews for it, I will put a link, as usual, in the show notes on our website, memorycardlane.com. And uh, you can go in and take a look at all the Steam reviews, the game, by the game, or whatever. While I was doing that, I found another game on Steam called The Political Process. This one came out a year ago. And it says, explore a dynamic world of politics in this turn-based political simulator. Create a character, run from political office, write legislation, balance budgets, and more as you move up the political hierarchy. That, honestly, I guess it's supposed to be fun. Maybe I just don't want to be in politics. Does that yeah, sound fun? That's not, that doesn't sound fun to you at all? It is not a career for me, although I respect those who are in it to some degree, as long as you're not one of them. They're crooked politicians. You can get out. Well, look at this. It says play as a Democrat or Republican in the American political system. As you know, that's part of it. Hello, there's more than just Democrats or Republicans in the world. I mean, goddamn. No, there aren't. What do you mean? This is a two-party system, Dave, don't you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. This one, too, is overwhelmingly positive with 803 reviews. So people who play it like it. 
I mean, you you at least have that going for you. Which brings me to one more video game about this process called Democracy. Democracy is also on Steam. Now they're at the third one in the series, which you can get for $25. Democracy as a series started in 2005, and the player plays as they're either a president or a prime minister of a democratic government. And they have to introduce and alter policies in seven areas, such as tax, economy, welfare, foreign policy, transport, law and order, and public services. So each policy that they enact uh, has an effect on the happiness of various voter groups, as well as affecting factors such as crime and and air quality. So, So, you know, they have to deal with situations like too much homeless. What do we do for the homeless? And then depending on what you do... You're either going to favor one voting group or you're going to piss off another because you can have a rich religious smoker, for instance. And if you ban you ban smoking, then you're going to piss off someone from the rich group, the religious group and obviously the smoking group. So with that being said, there's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of complexity to a game like Democracy. And like I said, you know, they're currently on the third one. The third one you can find on Steam for twenty five. It's it's got mostly positive reviews with almost six thousand reviews. So I'd say that's a a very favorable game. Rob, you actually own this game. Do I? Yes, you own Democracy Three. I like how I told you you own it, and you're like, do I? Do I really? No, I'm just looking at this and have no freaking clue. Do you have any hours into it though? Uh, that would be a hard no, Dave. If I didn't yes. even know that I had it. That is a hard no. You have no hours into it. There is a... Oh, never mind. That's a person on my friends list whose name is Bean Guardian Leviosa. Oh, ah, cool. Kevin Stoby, <laughs> shout out to you. I love the name. Oh my god. Get into the... <laughs> you weirdos. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not... brother from college. Great man. I, I'm not wrong, though, am I? I mean, it clearly shows me here on Steam that you own... You own this game. It's in your library, is it not? It's in my library. I bet you you and I got it as like a a humble bundle or something like that because it's absolutely it's... and it is a whopping two hundred and forty eight megabytes. How ironic that that was the number that I picked earlier. I think that's true. Very true. It was it was a little bit more. I think it was like two seventy. Two fifty nine. It was two fifty nine. Uh, we were just talking about games. We were just talking about games. Eleven there, so. megabytes off though. Come on, what are the chances? There you go. So we have the Democracy series. And, you know, if you really like that one, which I only have 3.4 hours into that game. There are two others. Well, they're making a fourth one right now, too. Ooh, so you can not only play Democracy 1, 2, and 3, but you can always hit the fourth level of Democracy. A democratic autocracy. They made a they made a Democracy Africa like DLC or maybe standalone. I don't know. But they added things like civil unrest and the stuff that they brought into that one. They're bringing into the fourth because, you know, who would have guessed that this year's civil unrest would become a worldwide political phenomenon? Can you at least tell me that the entire soundtrack is just Toto Africa? Maybe with a cover of Weezer every nine times. That's good, man. I like that. Or just different variations on it, Africa. Now that would be interesting. You know, there are other games that are in the genre. I, I, You know, I wanted to talk mostly about games that 
kind of were played in the United States are involved democratic politics, which we've covered a lot of them, as well as kind of talk about how we went from board games to mail to email, which became computer games. I, when I was doing my research on these video games that were involved in the democratic process, I found it really fascinating that there there's almost a direct historical line between, you know, a little board game and a video game that simulates the exact same thing. I mean, literally, there's a direct line. You have a game that became mail-in, that became email, that became a video game. I don't know how much more direct it can get than that, you know? I don't think there's much more. Are there other games that you can think of that are like play-by-mail, or play-by-postal mail, or play-by-email, you know? I McDonald's Monopoly. No. I know that there are other games that were like Diplomacy, like Nuclear Destruction, I remember. I um, honestly didn't even know it was a thing. I shouldn't be surprised because people are creative and they want to play games and socialize in a way that's different than what they've seen before. But it just, the thought never crossed my mind, so I don't know of a single one. So I'm looking at a list of play-by-mail games, and these wouldn't necessarily just be... Let's, I'm looking at active ones. There's an, there's actually quite a few active ones that have been created as, as recently as 2014. So that's kind of cool. Oh, there's a lot of inactive ones too. But there's still quite a few active. Yeah, Nuclear Destruction's on here. They've been playing Nuclear Destruction since 1970. Lords of the Earth. It's a crime. Heroic Fantasy. Ooh. There's a bunch of neat neat ones. So back to video games, there are other games in the government simulation genre that don't necessarily focus on, on U.S. politics or, or governing a, de- a, a democracy. I have played multiple games in a series called the, the Supreme Ruler series. You ever heard of the Supreme Ruler series, Rob? No, I have not. I think that's on Steam. I'd be surprised if it wasn't on Steam. So Supreme Ruler are real-time strategy kind of war games where you take a bunch of fragmented city states and you kind of do the same stuff where you use diplomacy, trade, espionage, intimidation, science, social policy, military policy. You kind of do all the same stuff to affect to affect your nation and 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 try to bring all these fragmented city states together. So it's one of them that's the same one. Oh, I own Supreme Ruler 2020 Gold, which ironically enough came out in 2008. And I think it would be hilarious to play it right now and see if the world is anything like they thought it was going to be 12 years ago. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a tabletop strategy game, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, where you just kind of you have the world map on you and you just kind of move your your units and, and do your stuff. Moving units and doing stuff. I know. Sounds I'm like a good time. I'm, I'm so descriptive. But you know what? There is one other game that's kind of considered a government simulator that we talked about recently. I just don't remember the concept. Didn't we talk about Crusader Kings recently? That we did because you got Crusader Kings 3. Yeah, but I think we talked about it on the podcast and we were talking about Civ a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, I believe it was part of the Civ discussion. Crusader Kings is kind of a, it's it's a government simulation, but it's a very specific government. It's a government simulation at a very specific time in history. So it's more of like a dynasty simulator. It's it's much of the same concept, just with that very specific specific. God, I know how to talk specific. I should we should put that in the 2020 dictionary. 
Hey, you know what else made it in the dictionary for 2020? What's that, Dave? Irregardless. You are joking. I'm not. I, I Google it, man. I'm not joking. It's it's funny. I guess if you start using words that aren't actually words enough, they make them into words, which is true. Webster. It's, it's very true. Are you looking it up? Unbelievable. It's not unbelievable, though. It's not unbelievable at all. If you look at etymology, or you talk to an etym- etymologist, isn't that what they are? Yes, etymologist. Lots of words, that's where a lot of words come from. I mean, the origins of particular words, they were used in, you know, that they became part of lexicon sometimes by accident, and then cultures adopted them so heavily that you have no choice but to add them to the dictionary. You can't deny a word just because just because you want to. If people use it, and they use it regularly, and they use it enough, it's part of a language. You get what I'm saying? I, I do. I just can't believe that people's misuse of a word, instead of just learning the word the right way. Look, man, at the rate you guys are going, we're going to have words like sus in 10 years in the dictionary. Whipper, young whippersnappers. What else? What else are you going to add to the dictionary? What 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 is your generation going to add to the dictionary, Rob? Uh, I would have to say yeet. <laughs> YOLO! No, that was a little bit before your time. Um, What do you mean YOLO is definitely my time? Damn it. Yeet. I'm a, I, we use yeet when we play video games. <laughs> that dude got yeeted out of there. Yes, yeah, so Crusader Kings is definitely a government simulator. Just oh with the very... What? What'd you the find? The Cambridge Dictionary defines yeet as to throw something with a lot of force. Example, he just grabbed my phone and yeeted it into the river. Or, <laughs> yeet me that water bottle. <laughs> okay, to be fair, I don't think I've ever heard it in that second context. I don't know if I've ever heard someone say, yeet me that water bottle. I mean, have have you ever heard it that way? Uh, I mean... To yeet to me is something that you do to someone. When you yeet them, you throw them per se. So it's it's I've never heard it where you tell someone to to do that. I guess is my point, right? I I don't know, man. All right. Well, I mean, I'm not taking any credit for yeet. That's not that's not us millennials or elder millennials or whatever the hell you want to call me. I prefer zennial melders. I prefer zennial. Look up Zennial. I really like using Zennial as as my generation. Mm, more like Bicentennial. Uh, well, you think you're funny, don't you? You know the funny part? Crusader Kings is very historical, like very specific, but it's probably the most complex out of all these games we've been talking about today. I'm I thought, not surprised. I thought we were supposed to play a game of Crusader Kings. Isn't that the plan? Uh, I do not know. Do I own it? It's Game Pass. Do I own it? Do you own Game Pass? I think you're on Xbox Game Pass, aren't you? Cthulhu Realms. Sounds sounds like the game we're trying to play, right? That's right. Cthulhu Realms is definitely what we're trying to play. That's exactly what we're talking about. I love it. Back on topic. Cool. Back on topic. That's video games. That is video games from board games to now in terms of games that simulate politics hmm? well that was fun that was educational i'll let you determine the the definition of educational in your own way fun or no 
Well, irregardless of how you feel about it. Uh, <laughs> punch me in the face. <laughs> I'm not going to punch you, but I am going to yeet you right out of that chair. As long as you can yeet me a bandit after. <laughs> Stop him. He's on fire, folks. Oh. Okay. All right. I want to transition from talking about video games to talking about how video games have played a part in real life politics. Rob, what 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 do you know? We've talked about this recently. We've talked about video games, real life politics being involved in video games. What do you what do you remember about our conversation? I remember that we had talked about how in China the game of Animal Crossing New Horizons was banned because people were using it to protest the government. And also that the Biden campaign was visiting islands and putting up campaign banners. That is very, very true. I think we talked about that. If it was government banning, we would have talked about that with Mortal Kombat, correct? I believe you are correct. When the Biden campaign was putting up the flags, though, wasn't that early Congresswoman Cortez, AOC? Wasn't she the one that was doing that in the beginning? I believe both of them were doing it. I don't know who started it. You showed me recently a stream of Twitch in which AOC was playing stream of Twitch stream on Twitch in which AOC was playing a game. Am I, am I correct in that? That you are. She was playing among us with a few other popular twitch.tv streamers. It was very sus as you mentioned earlier. <laughs> do you know how popular that stream was uh that i do not i did not check the metrics on it although i will say that it did have quite a few vol followers if not just from aoc but from the other streamers the live feed of that stream had 1.5 million views and oh. that number increased to 5 million over the next few days as that video was was shared around like how you shared it to me i didn't watch it live i don't be honest i don't even know if i watched it not live but i may have it was quite interesting to watch i suggest that if you're into among us and into seeing people play and want you know care to see a little more about aoc that uh it's worth giving a check my understanding is she took time out before and after the, the game to talk about the importance of voting so it wasn't just i mean it was her streaming playing a video game for for a while, but I mean, she also took time before and after to do a message with video games being a part in the election, you know, the way AOC and the Biden campaign were all using it. I, I wanted to kind of go back because this is not the first time that candidates have used video games to advertise for their political campaigns. In fact, historically, the first one that we saw to use it was actually pretty recent. It was Barack Obama and he used it during his 2008 campaign to 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 advertise, not advertise. What's the word I'm looking for? Campaign. Yeah, I guess. Thank you to campaign for his presidential election. One isn't wasn't one of those games burnout because I vaguely remember it was. That. Yes, burnout paradise, uh, NBA Live 08. I'm sure a few of the other ESPN titles. His likeness was flashing in, in video games like those on virtual billboards. There's a historical precedent to it. It's not it's not a thing that just happened, you know? People were obviously interested. I mean, five million people watched junior congresswoman 
play a video game. I mean, five million people. And and then this year, if I'm not mistaken, LeBron James uh, produced segments where we were talking about NBA Live. Uh, this year's NBA 2K21. I think LeBron James produced segments for NBA 2K21 that were encouraging people to exercise their right to vote. Yeah, I actually didn't know about that. I'm not much of a fan myself of NBA or 2K, but it's kind of awesome that he went and did that. Well, there are reasons. 163 million gamers are estimated to be a voting age, and my generation, the millennial generation, has is, is become the country's largest generation and combined with your generation, the Gen Zs, we actually outvoted the boomers in the 2018 midterm elections. And so the theory is, is that if the turnout's right, that potentially we will outvote the boomers, you know, moving forward. I guess it's important to know your demographic and to know how to reach them. And I'm not saying video games are the end all be all, but they're certainly one of the, you know, largest entertainment mediums in the world at this point. I would, you know, what's going to be interesting. What's that? I just, I just thought about this this year. Movie and TV has been shut down effectively, right? Cause they haven't been able to do movie move like to make new movies haven't been able to make new TV shows, haven't been able to have theaters. So essentially the movie and the, the, the that whole entertainment industry has largely been shut down. Correct. Right. You are, but the video game industry I guess kind of has, but kind of hasn't at the same time. And so I'd be really interested to see the numbers if the video game industry will would catch up with the TV slash movie industry in the year 2020 in terms of just sheer buying power dollars or however you want to look at it. Know what I mean? I find it hard to believe that it hasn't already surpassed. Very, very true. Up until this point, we've talked about Democrats, honestly. I mean, I know I haven't used them by by. I haven't used the word Democrat, but AOC and Obama and and Biden, for instance, are all Democrats. But I think it's important to note that the right side of the political spectrum, which, you know, in the United States right now is typically described as Republican, but don't have to be. But the right exists in video games, too. You know, in games like Call of Duty or, for instance, Rocket League, you and I play Rocket League together all the time. Uh, we see plenty of people with either the, the either Trump or the MAGA slogan, do not. That we do. You know, politics really aren't left at the door when it comes to video games, whether, whether we want them to be or not. Though I do think that it's interesting that the right-leaning politicians don't feel the need to reach out to the virtual space. I, you know, I, one of the articles I was reading was, you know, in terms of this, when they were talking about AOC and Biden and everything, they reached out to they reached out to the Trump campaign to see why they weren't advertising this virtual space. And basically the the quote from them was, you know, we we want to appeal to actual voters or something like that to where they don't they don't care or don't see this as, as a viable entertainment medium or reaching people in any way, shape or form. Absolutely. I think that's bullshit. Politics at the door. I mean, <laughs> all right. What do you want to add? I've been talking your air off all day. You know, you definitely have been at this a lot longer than I with the many more years that you have upon this earth and with voting. So I feel that it was more appropriate for you to speak because you have the existing knowledge. I'm young and have had the lack of involvement until 
years recently because for the last only the last seven years have I been able to vote. So, uh, you know, I don't even think I was able to vote for Obama. 2018, November 18. Why can't I do the math in my head? Wow, I can't think right now. That was 2012. There we go. Wow. Yeah, no, I was too young. It wasn't until 2013 that I was able to vote, so I wasn't able to vote till I was out of high school. Now you can. That's what matters, no, that right? That doesn't seem right. Why that would it right, be? No, it would right. be right. It's right. Yeah, so I was not able to vote till out of high school. So yeah, I've only had one election myself, and this is my second one going into it. So it's definitely a far reach from the several that yourself has been involved in. So, you know, Ouch, Leave it kid. to the experts. Ouch. Hey, hey, with age comes something. All right. Well, you know, I I don't really have anything to add to political discussion. Rob? Dave? This week's question. You ready for it? Fire away. What game did you last complete? By complete, do you mean its entirety? I mean, what game did you beat last? Let's. I mean, I'm not expecting you to give me a like I 100% platinum trophied this game, but you know what? What game did you complete last? Well, I would have to say because I don't play many story based games, and the ones that I am playing, I'm not playing as frequently as I should be to beat the campaigns. The last game that I beat was actually one for our podcast. And that would be our first podcast, a look back at Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. And if you'd want to know more, go ahead and give that first episode a listen. <laughs> or don't. It was just okay. I'm just kidding. Right you are. Well, you know, we were still getting our feet <laughs> wet back there. And still are today. Don't, uh, don't act like we aren't. No need to front. <laughs> what about yourself, Dave? What's the last game that you completed? Well... We were sitting here without power after the hurricane blew through. I had charged my switch, and so I had the opportunity to sit and play through whatever happened to Edith Finch, which is a very short, I guess, walking simulator game that I very much enjoyed. I think they did some really fun things with the narration and the stories. I think that I really liked the way the words, because it was all about stories and, and finding stories written throughout this house. I liked the ways the way the words interacted with the with with the environment. I really enjoyed it. I have uh, I think the next one on my list is going to be the um, uh, suicide of what's her name something Foster. I can't remember the whole title right now, but that'll probably be the next walking simulator one I I play through. But there, there you go. I went on way too long about something. Whatever happened to Edith Finch, if you have a, a few, two or three hours, and you can get it pretty cheap, I very much enjoyed it, if you like those type of games. Well, I think that's it. I think I've talked everyone's air off way too much. You've learned more about political games than you ever wanted to, and then you learned about you know people doing politics now. I, I, I definitely, definitely talked your ear off. All so, in Rob, the name of just it. All in the name justice, of voting. All in the yeah, name justice. of justice. All in the name of justice. So, Rob, you know we referenced a few times our show notes, and and you referenced the first episode. So, pray tell, brother O'Mine, where can people go to find all that stuff? To find all of the previous episodes and show notes, 
as well as getting to know a little bit more about Dave and I, you may go and find more at memorycardlane.com. That's memorycardlane.com. Do tell, Dave, what else may you find at memorycardlane.com? <laughs> well, Rob, at memorycardlane.com, you'll find episode details where I where I post all my notes, all the reviews I use, all the wiki articles I use, the, the news articles I use, and the reviews that we talk about. I post them all, links to all of them, so you can you can fact check me and make sure that I'm not fake news. Um, like you said, you can learn more about us. You can visit our Discord. There's a link to our Discord to come and have engage in conversation with us directly. There's also a link to our Patreon if you'd like to support us financially, along with social media links. I myself am on Twitter as Dave underscore is underscore wrong where I randomly post uh, about Rocket League and, no, just Rocket League, mostly. Uh, I would love to have conversations with some of you if you're on Twitter. I think that'd be a whole lot of fun. Rob, what are you doing on social media these days? Well, Dave, you all may find me on twitch.tv slash fat, B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. That is fat boy rips. Again, F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. There. When I do stream, will be games that I look forward to playing and chatting with all of you. I absolutely, absolutely agree. Rob, have we talked about what we're doing next week yet? Uh, Dave, I don't think that we have. So why don't you give us an idea? What's going to happen next week? Rob, next week we are going to talk about the history of the Dragonborn. Fusroda? <laughs> absolutely we're going to be taking a look back at 2011's Elder Scrolls 5 Skyrim it's been almost a decade later and Skyrim is still finding its way onto new consoles I, I mean literally we, we all joke that it's probably going to end up on our toaster within the next year So, Dave let's be real one of these days we're going to be playing Skyrim from our brain yeah, we're definitely going to be Skyrim with our brain. I mean, you could already play it in VR, so having a VR chip implanted directly in your skull is not a far cry. Not at all. Not at all. God, that's scary. Mm-hmm. So it's almost been 10 years, and, and Skyrim is, is firing on all cylinders, and so we're going to look at all the reasons why we, and you know, as usual, we're going to take a look at reviews to see what you think about why Skyrim is considered one of the greatest games of all time, and and how it's maintained its popularity almost over almost 10 years. So that's our topic, you know. So if you would like to chime in on this conversation, don't forget to visit our website at www.memorycardlane.com. You can there's a link right on our website to email us your own reviews and or memories of Skyrim or you could join our Discord server and voice our opinion on there as well. If we like you enough, we might actually feature you in one of our, you know, in our next week's episode. Come talk to us. Come tell us what you think about Skyrim. And we'll be back again next Thursday as we take uh, another trip down memory card lane. Where's your wah-wahs? You gotta add your wah-wahs.